He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High and abides in the shade of the Almighty says to the Lord, my refuge, my stronghold, my God in whom I trust. It is he who will free you from the snare of the fowl of the sea. This is Echoes from the Bell Tower, stories of wit and wisdom from Benedictine monks who live, work, and pray in southern Indiana. I'm Brother Colby. And I'm Brother Joel. This week, we're talking about the tradition of monastic music. Some of you might have listened to our preview episode on chant and advent music back in December. Chant is a huge part of our life and prayer here at St. Meinrad. Here is Father Jeremy King, the community's choir master, to kick off the episode with an explanation of chant. The monastic vocation is basically a a rhythm of prayer and work. I have the combination of my work as to enhance the prayer of the community. We gather five times a day in the Abbey Church as a monastic community, and in each one of those five times each day that we pray, we sing. So music is an essential part of prayer for the monastic community. And so it's, it's part and parcel. It's the bread and butter. It's the meat and potatoes of monastic prayer. Of course, there's an individual, private, contemplative prayer that each monk engages in. But any time we pray in church, there's always music. Not all of the music heard in the Arch Abbey Church is chant, but a lot of it is. When Father Jeremy was named choir master in 1986, Father Timothy Sweeney, who was abbot at the time, asked him to preserve the use of chant, especially at the Liturgy of the Hours, our daily prayer service. At that time, after Vatican II, a lot of other monastic communities were letting go of their chant tradition. If you join the community at St. Minor today for the Liturgy of the Hours, you will still hear chant. Here is Father Harry Hagen to talk about tradition. I think it's uh, Pablo Picasso who is supposed to have said, tradition is not wearing your grandfather's hat, tradition is having a baby. So tradition is not just kind of playing like you live in a different century. On the other hand, in order certainly to have a baby, you have to have connection to people going all the way back. And, and having the baby is more than just the birth. It's the raising and the, and the, the making of this person. And being a traditional monk means not living in the 8th century or the 12th century, but it means knowing what went on at that time so that you can recreate it and make it new in this day. So what is chant? Here is Father Columba Kelly. Chant is sung speech. If you know how to speak a language, then you already have much of what you need to sing chant well. It's that simple. Chant doesn't use meter or a time signature as modern music does. Instead, chant is designed around eight Gregorian chant modes. The modes are like scales. They set pitches in whole and half-step arrangements. The modes, most importantly, set the mood, tone, and feeling of the chant. 
chant is the opposite of actually all modern music because the first thing you do is set meter. What meter are you in? Am I in four four time, three four time, six eight? Am I in one two three one two three one, or am I in one two one two one two? No, I'm in none of those. I'm in how I speak. And notice, do you speak in meter? I don't think so. Chant follows the word accent, and so it, there's a flow to it, and uh, you can have a main note, but then a lot of other notes that decorate that and move you through and give you this experience of the text. It, it, chant is really about giving you a kind of a visceral understanding of the Word of God, it, not just a, an intellectual one. And it's there to make the Word beautiful, but even to experience those darker emotions so that, that you have this experience of the Word and not just a kind of an intellectual understanding. A lot of the chants sung at St. Minard is English chant, or plain song. It's not Gregorian chant but it's based on Gregorian chant modes and method of putting sacred text to music. It uses the pitches and melodic flow that Gregorian chant would have used. Father Columba studied chant in Rome, and in 1964, he worked to translate Gregorian chant, which was in Latin, to English chant. That way, the monastic community could pray in their own language. It was quite the process, and it took many years and the effort of a lot of people. But on May 3, 1967, the monastic community sang Vespers for the first time in English chant. That's 50 years ago. So what exactly is Gregorian chant? Let's step back a little farther with Father Harry for some history. Charlemagne became the Holy Roman Emperor in 800, and uh, he represents a kind of a peaceful time between when the barbarians invade Europe starting in the 400s, and then after him are the Vikings. But during his reign of Northern Europe, he creates a stability, and he wants to get everybody on the same page. So he wants to have the same legal code. He wants to have the same liturgical book. So he has the Pope, the Bishop of Rome, send up what the Bishop of Rome uses so that everybody in his kingdom can use that. And the same is true for monks. He wants all the monks to be on the, have the same rules, so the rule of Benedict becomes kind of the rule for monks. Charlemagne also wanted a unified form of chant. The music that came out of this movement is identified with Pope Gregory the Great, and so it bears his name. By calling it Gregorian, it's really saying that, it, that it's the Roman church's chant. And uh, Gregory was truly a great man, and so his, his name kind of gives it an honor and a, a priority. But it's also true that once the uh, 
people north of the and northern Europe learn that music, they begin to uh, elaborate it in new and different and, and complicated ways that, that reveals their own genius and their own ability, again, not just to wear their grandfather's hat, but to have a baby to do something new. In the life of the monk, liturgical music is a vehicle for conveying the Word of God. Since so many of the anaphens, responsories, and, of course, the psalms, are taken directly from the scriptures. Father Columba teaches us that music, whatever style, however beautiful, whatever its nature, must be subservient to the text. It must serve the text and not dominate it or overshadow it or distract from it. That is why chant is important. I think it's important because what it does, it does not monkey around with paraphrasing God's text as a hymn does. No hymn gives you the straight text. It has to be reworked so the accents always fall in the right place. So if you're going to do what I call drinking God straight, which any good whiskey drinker knows, you know, you drink it straight, okay? Scotch drinkers will say, oh, but I drink it straight. Well, I prefer that too with God's word. I like God's word straight and not paraphrased or messed around with. And that's the problem with almost all contemporary compositions. Well, people will think, put a nice tune to it with a meter, but in doing it, they have to paraphrase God's word. I've not visited that many monastic communities, but of the places I've been and the music I have heard, even on its worst days here when the cantor has lost its place and everybody's coughing and sneezing, it's just head and shoulders above most. This is George Hubbard. He's one of the four regular Abbey organists. The prayerful attention with which the monks do their chant is incredible. I mean, we all know that's the way it's supposed to be, but it so rarely is. Plus the splendid acoustics of the Abbey Church enhance that so much. Sometimes they go in there when there's nobody around and it's quiet, sometimes in the evening, and you can almost feel the stones singing back some of the hours and hours and hours of music they've absorbed. We're also very fortunate to have a very resonant church the, the current arrangement where it's all on one level and there's a lot of hard surfaces, our, our reverb in the church is something like seven seconds. And much of chant was designed with highly resonant spaces in mind so that you, you start out singing a note and you hold it for a little bit or you sing it strongly and then the, the chant goes up and you sing an, another note and hold it for a second and then when you move away from that note briefly you can hear both those two different notes at the same time and the resonance. And so chant that's written really well takes advantage of this effect. Uh, e even though only one part is being sung at a time, it's, it's one melody line, it will harmonize with itself and sound much fuller and, and much richer, and it's a very neat effect. And Arch Abbey Church 
it's designed in such a way that we can take advantage of that, of that effect. Music at St. Meinrad will sound different than at any other monastery. We have a style that has been developing since the Second Vatican Council in the early 1960s. As we mentioned earlier, when Father Columba returned from Rome, he began translating the Latin Gregorian chant to English. Father Samuel Weber entered the community in 1968, and he had a chant background from his childhood. Here is Father Tobias. And Father Columba, by the time Samuel entered, was hard at work trying to write all of the antiphons, all of the responsories, and all of the other music that we need for the divine office. Uh, Others were providing translations from the Latin for Father Columba to work with. So Samuel, as a novice, perhaps as a junior, was assigned for part of his work to assist Father Columba with that process. Father Tobias joined the community two years later and knew Father Samuel from high school. Father Samuel knew Father Tobias was a musician, and so he invited him to be a part of the project. And Father Columba, to his credit, was very open to other talent emerging, uh, because in those days, when you think of it, after the Second Vatican Council, and especially with the implementation of the vernacular around the world, every place, what were you going to sing? If you're not going to be using Latin full-time, What are you going to use? We needed to create just everything. Vernacular means people could now pray in their native language. So it was exciting to to step into the stream at that point when it was really heating up as far as the creative process. Without that invitation, I doubt that I would have ever stepped into the stream so fully. Little did I realize that it would um, influence so much of the rest of my life up to this point. I joined the monastery in 1971. Kind of a, a number of people had come together. Father Columba had been redoing the Latin chant for six or seven years anyway. This is Father Harry again. Father Columba pulled people together and got them excited about chant. Father Tobias, Father Samuel, Father Coleman, and Father Jeremy all had a hand in creating music in English. Father Aurelius, Father Vincent, and Father Harry contributed by creating or translating the text. And during that year, 1971-72, Father Samuel began sending texts off to Father Columba, who would then uh, put his chicken scratch on the notes over the text, and then Father Samuel would, with a ballpoint pen, carefully make square notes and uh, reproduce this English chant. And within that year, we had a, a kind of a large foundation of English chant. There, there were some things that were before that, but they tended to be more simple, while in 1971 it began to develop and become a kind of a larger 
uh, more substantial English chant. The early 70s were formative years. Since then, we have continued to build on the development from that time. There are several factors that led to St. Meinrad preserving the chant tradition. At the time of Vatican II, St. Meinrad had a lot of talented musicians, and several who specialized in chant. We used our resources, our talented musicians, to create our style of music, while other communities used the resources they had. Here's Father Jeremy. I think what a lot of people did, a lot of places did, was just go to contemporary Catholic music uh, from the national scene, or they had well-trained musicians within their communities, both men and women's communities, and they just had them compose some liturgical music, but it wasn't chant. It was more contemporary style and metered music. As we mentioned at the beginning of this episode, when Father Jeremy was choir master in 1986, Father Abbot Timothy asked him to preserve the chant tradition during the Liturgy of the Hours. It is important to have superiors in the monastery who are interested in keeping the chant tradition alive. When Father Harry was the novice master, he asked Father Columba to create a Latin chant scola so the young monks could see what English chant was built on. Introducing monks who are joining the community to the chant tradition is also a factor in its preservation. I wasn't interested in going back exclusively to the Latin chant. On the other hand, the Latin chant is the uh, product of uh, certainly the monastic tradition in the 8th and 9th centuries. One of the very famous uh, uh, graduales, the uh, books that the uh, cantor used while standing on the steps uh, is a manuscript that's at Einsiedel, the monastery we're founded from. We have a facsimile of that uh, manuscript. So the, the roots of St. Meinrad at Einsiedel are roots in a kind of a large music tradition that is very expansive and, and very rich at Einsiedel. And so to some extent we, we continue to carry that on here at St. Meinrad. A scola is it's basically just a, a choir. Yeah, in the monastery, when we talk about the monks' choir, that means all of the monks together singing in the church, you know, in, in the choir stalls. And so that's the whole monastic community. Um, but not every monk is uh, a super proficient singer. What we do in the church is kind of what uh, a community of monks can do. And so they can do fairly elaborate, but not super elaborate things, while a small group that's well-trained can do these very elaborate chants uh, that can take you out of yourself when you know what it is and where you're going, and then you just let it fly. 
One other interesting thing that keeps chant alive and kind of modernizes it is that Father Harry created a chant font, just like you have Times New Roman, Ariel, or Helvetica. It's a way to write the chant notation out on the computer. Chant no longer has to be handwritten. thing that we do to keep chant relevant and alive is to sing it well. I think that's the, the best that we do. And we, you know, we use it every day and we practice and, um, you know, Brother John Mark leads the chant scola now. You know, occasionally we, we use the more elaborate Latin chants, but we do work on it really hard. And sometimes chant can be performed and it's very robotic and kind of lifeless, but the way we sing chant here, we, we strive to make it very dynamic and and have a nice rolling flow to it. And it can be very satisfying and a very spiritual experience to sing it that way too because it helps the text come alive. You know, it, it is a prayer. And um, to put the text first that way helps us to, to treat it as a prayer and to sing it as a prayer and also to sing it well musically. Thank you for listening to this episode on the tradition of monastic music at St. Meinrad. This podcast was edited and produced today by Krista Hall, with the help of Brother Joel Blaze, me, Brother Colby Wolnikowski, Brother William Sprower, Mary Jean Schumacher, Jim Paquette, Tammy Sheeter, and Christian Mosek. The intro and outro music for this episode was written and produced by Brother Joel. Thank you, Brother John Mark Falkenhang, for helping choose the other music we included in this episode. Music came from the Gregorian Chant for Advent and Christmas CD, and the Gregorian Chant for Lent and Easter CD. We also used recordings of Psalm 90 and Te Lucis Ante Terminum, which we sing during Compline. We want to give a special thanks to Father Columba Kelly, Father Harry Hagen, Father Jeremy King, Father Tobias Colgan, and George Hubbard. And thanks to everyone who helps keep the chant tradition alive. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like this episode, next time you're on iTunes, be sure to take a moment to share it with a friend or submit a quick review. We have an extra story about the chant font Father Harry developed in all of our past episodes on our blog at stminerad.edu slash echoes. We do a lot of rap as well. Quite a, a bit of, of rap. rap you know? <laughs> so beatboxing and then little Lady Gaga. <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. it's just magical.